Tuesday afternoon to you. I hope you're having a great day. Thanks for joining us on Sports for CLE. A little later in the show, Ellis Williams, Browns beat reporter for The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com will join us. Uh, we begin by talking uh, about the Browns as well. Uh, Browns moved up practice time uh, earlier today, hit the field out in Berea, and uh, we take a look and see Baker Mayfield ready to go in Berea in the sun. Uh, practicing, throwing the football, uh, Baker Mayfield. There he is, Kyle Aletta with him, uh, out working in Berea. A little bit of a late morning practice. Uh, here Mayfield finds JoJo Natson, guy trying to earn one of those roster spots at wide receiver. And speaking of wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., Donovan Peoples-Jones having a little bit of fun in the wide receiver line as they get ready to do the drills. And now it's showtime, Beckham and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Well, some other things uh, going on out in Berea. The Browns waived cornerback Robert Jackson. Uh, they also waived Cody Parkey off the injured reserve list. Uh, that one just happened uh, within the last 10, 15 minutes. Um, Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett were part of team drills. Odell Beckham Jr., who we saw in the individual drills, was not part of the team drill. Center Nick Harris was banged up in Friday's practice. He was back out there with the, uh, the team in the team drills. And, and maybe the biggest news of all, Attack McKinley, who has been gone for a few weeks for personal reasons, back with the team and, and kind of in the individual drills and, and trying to get ramped back up. Kevin Stefanski uh, spoke to the media about McKinley and having him back. We support all of our guys uh, in the building, outside the building. So he uh, has our support, has my support. And, and then I think the guys are excited to have him back. Can you tell us anything um, about his spirits or anything coming back? Did you sense anything from him? Yeah, he's in a good place, ready to go. Let's welcome in Jeff Risden from BrownsWire.com. And uh, Jeff, you certainly hope Tack McKinley is, is doing well and, and everything is, uh, is in line. Um, if so, pretty good situation for him to be in with this Browns defensive end group. Oh, absolutely. It's a nice problem to have that, that he's coming back, but you don't necessarily, you're not requiring him to be back. You don't need him to be back to have your defense work. Um, that's why it was important. You noted that, uh, that Genevieve and Clowney and Miles Garrett were both practicing in team drills today. Uh, they're both ahead of, of McKinley on the depth chart. Now, McKinley's been gone for so long. Look, it's great that he's back. It's great that, that he's in a good place. As Stefanski said, you want the best for your players. From a football standpoint, though, this guy does need to get some reps in this defense uh, and, and being able to get those even even just a, a couple in the, you know, the last waning days of training camp here and heading into the final preseason game is better than nothing. It, it, it helps when he when 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 the regular season comes in a couple weeks, he'll be more ready than he would have been if he wasn't here. And that's that's important. Uh, again, you don't need him to be a starter. You might not even need, need him to be your number three right off the bat. But but this guy can play. He's an effective player. Uh, when his head is right, and right now it, it seems like his head is finally getting right and, and back. And uh, you know, as Stefanski said, we have to support him. You know, it's it's tough. Mental mental problems are are a very big deal, and it's something that I'm glad that the NFL is taking seriously. And I'm glad that the Browns have stood by him through this to try to help him through what, what's been a difficult time for him. Yeah, the other thing um, is keep in mind, unlike previous years, there's two weeks after that final preseason game before the first regular season game. So there's still plenty of time to catch up. It, it's not like the quarterback position where you got to know uh, everything about everybody on the field. So uh, plenty of time for Tack McKinley to catch up. Well, one of the big free agent signings, John Johnson, um, a guy that 
the Browns love uh, because the leadership he brings, part of that leadership being vocal on the field. John Johnson talked about why it's important for his game to be the guy that talks to everyone. I've always been that way. And I think, you know, at Boston College, I went in as a corner and I was, I felt the need to make calls and make sure the safety was aligned correctly. So then when I moved to safety, it was, it was easy. So I think, you know, just being, I like talking out. I don't even wear a mouthpiece because I, I, I like talking so much. So I think it's just been, been that way for a long time. So, some guys struggle with that, that part of the game. I mean, what makes it a great communicator on the field? I think, you know, just wanting to see everybody succeed. You know, if I know a guy is misaligned and he's, he might not do his job that play, I don't want to see him go down like that. And I don't want to see the team go down that way. So I just want to make sure everybody's comfortable, everybody's aligned in the right place and have fun with it. You know, I think me talking helps other guys talk. So I think, you know, just going out there having fun with it has always been my thing. All right, two things jump out about that. Not playing with a mouthpiece, that, um, that's, that was eye-opening. But the other thing, the rationale be behind why he likes to talk, if I'm a teammate, I love that. Oh, absolutely. And you have to love that as a Browns fan. We've been crying for leadership from the safety position for a long time, since, since the, the T.J. Ward heyday. Uh, and John Johnson brings that absolutely, and, and the fact that he's you know willing to to he's a new guy in town, but he's willing to take that initiative and take the lead and and you know try to help the other guys out. And the thing that he talked about about how he thinks it helps the other players and how he doesn't want anybody else to go down because of something that they might not see that he sees. That 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 sort of benevolent leadership is something that really it plays very well in this locker room. It's something that is the hallmark of good teams. The fact that this is a good player, absolutely. But he wants other players to get better because he knows that as good as he is, he's only as good as his teammates around him can can be. Uh, and I, I I love that. That that that's a phenomenal addition. You know, whether he can play at a high level or not, just the fact that he's out there doing that, that's already an upgrade from what we had in Cleveland last year at the safety position. And I'm I'm looking for very big things from John Johnson. And uh, being the quarterback of the defense back there, that's a role that they absolutely needed. Especially with the questions that are there, a linebacker, you know, with, with all the injuries and the, the new faces in there, having a guy in the middle of the field that confident, that assured of himself, and, and that prideful in, in helping everybody else out, that, that, that's a wonderful asset. Uh, one of the other uh, storylines that uh, happened, and this one was, was late, um, a few minutes ago, Cody Parkey was relieved, released off injured reserve. They, were, they had put him on injured reserve yesterday to get to that roster, 80, 80 man roster limit. Um, the, the only thing, and, and it's still coming out, the, you know, what exactly happened and why. We haven't heard why. My guess is Cody Parkey felt he could probably come back. If you're put on injured uh, reserve before the 53-man roster, you're out for the year um, So right. before the cut-down day. So he probably felt like he could come back. Browns didn't really want to chance that as taking up a roster spot with a guy that you don't know basically what you're going to get. There's going to be enough tough roster decisions but it sure sounds like Cody Parkey <laughs> probably asked for and was and was given his release. I would I would gather. Yeah, we have we haven't heard the full details on it, but this is a case as you mentioned. He, when you're cut before the 53 man roster is set, you are out for uh, put on an injured reserve before the 53 man roster is set. You are out for the year, but that only applies to the team that put you on injured reserve. You can you can get waived off of injured reserve and sign with another team. Uh, that's that's got to be his move here. Um, we, we've seen a couple of kickers that have gotten cut in the last couple of days who are going to get interest around the league. Parkey did well enough in Cleveland that he will get a sniff later in the season. Um, teams have shown that they're they're willing to to make changes midseason at the kicker position now. I think that's something that's happening more than it used to. 
Uh, so he'll be available and out there. Um, it could also be a favor to his agent. Again, we don't know that. This is just speculation. But but those those sort of things happen too. You know, maybe uh, maybe he's got he's got another client uh, that, that the Browns might be looking at or, or something like that. And you know, it's sort of a you know I'll help you now if you help me later type of deal. Uh, that that kind of stuff happens all the time. Again, I don't know if that's the case with Parkey, but that wouldn't surprise me either. Do you think it's Chase McLaughlin's uh, job to lose here, or do you think they they bring somebody else in? I haven't really well, it's, taken a look at the big names that are out there yet. Uh, the Colts cut Eddie Pinheiro yesterday um, at the same time that the the Browns put put uh, put Cody Parkey on the IR. He's probably better than than Chase McLaughlin. Look, McLaughlin is guy. He's had a lot of chances. He's been on five teams in two seasons. Hasn't been bad, but seventy-eight uh, percent field goal is is not going to get it done in the NFL. He is a good kickoff guy. He does have a long leg. He he can make kicks in practice routinely out to 56, 57 yards. Uh, so that's something that the Parky did not offer. If they can find somebody that can reliably bang in those you know forty to forty-eight yard kicks and also make extra points. Remember, Parky struggled with extra points last year. That was that was the big grumble with him. He missed more extra points than he did field goals. Uh, hopefully McLaughlin can, can straighten that out, but it would not surprise me if they brought in a, a bigger name competition that's out there. And you're going to see some more kickers cut, especially after this weekend uh, when rosters go down to 53. Um, there, there are a lot of teams that are carrying two kickers right now. And uh, I, I, just based on what we've seen from, from Andrew Berry and his aggressive acquisition of talent mantra, it wouldn't surprise me if there's another kicker that's brought in, um, and even if it's just for a day, to see what he's got to, to compete against McLaughlin. All right, so John Johnson was asked, um, is it frustrating for a, for a new guy uh, to, to not be able to work with what would be the defensive unit um, out there intact because you've had nagging injuries? You know, there was Garrett, there was Clowney, Denzel Ward's been banged up, Grant Delpit's been banged I mean, basically anybody on the defense has, has been banged up as the season has gone along. So the question was asked to, to John Johnson, is that kind of frustrating for the defensive side of the ball? You know, that's the name of the game in the league. Injuries are going to happen every year. Uh, big name guys, you know, special team guys, you know, it, it happens. You just got to uh, trust that the, the backups are ready to go and uh, go out there and compete every day and push each other to be better than, you know, whoever's out there on game day will be ready. And with Grant specifically, do you feel him getting discouraged at all because he obviously missed last year and then has been in and out with that hamstring recently? I don't think so. You know, he's a strong guy. He's a strong-minded guy. And um, I, I personally, I feel bad for him. But he, he comes to work every day and works hard at what he does, whether it's rehab or whether it's on the field. So I don't think it's discouraging, but I would love to see him out there on the field. Absolutely. And, Jeff, he said it wasn't frustrating. So, um, again, you'd like to see the so many new guys just get a chance to, to get out there and work out, you know, the communication part of it. Yeah, and I, th I think one of the things that he stressed there was that as long as the guys are working towards getting better, um, that it's okay. Um, it, it, he would, be, I think, he would be more frustrated if Grant Delpit was a guy that was, you know, sort of milking the injury or not necessarily going hard when he does get the chance. That's clearly not the case, and I, I think that's, I think that's Johnson's message to his teammates: is like, hey, do what you can to get yourself better and be ready when we call upon you, um, whether you're you're Grant Delpit or you know you're the last guy on the roster fighting for that spot. Um, we need to make sure that this defense is good. To tie in with what he talked about earlier, you know, the, they're only as good as their weak link, and he wants that weak link to be as good as possible. Uh, so I, I, I get, I get his tone there that he's trying to you know be uplifting for his teammates, but at the same time, 
from a media standpoint, from a fan standpoint, boy, it would be nice if the starting 11 was out there just once for even like one rep of team drills in training camp. I don't think we're going to get that, unfortunately. Jeff Risden from BrownsWire.com and I are going to step aside. Um, a week from today at about this time, rosters have to be trimmed down to 53. We'll take a look at some of the tough decisions that are facing the Browns and just how deep is this roster. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. CLE continues. Um, we will continue talking Browns with Jeff Risden from brownswire.com. Kevin Stefanski was asked about uh, the depth on this defensive line. Here's what he had to say uh, about what they're able to figure out with the Browns' depth. I think at each one of these positions, Nate, I, I think it's working itself out. You're seeing who, who might be the starters, who might be the backups. I think we have some really talented guys in there. They work really hard. I think a bunch of those guys have had really good moments in this preseason. So uh, I, w- I would say it's a very competitive group. And, Jeff, when you look at it, there's going to be a lot of tough roster decisions. I mean, up and down this. And, and it's kind of compounded by the fact that a lot of these guys haven't been able to get out in team drills. Yeah, you want to be able to see what they can all do when they're all healthy and together, and that just hasn't happened. That's what John Johnson was just talking about. You know, I, I'm curious, the defensive line is, is tough because you have a guy like Malik McDowell, who's an obvious physical talent. I'll go back to when he was at Michigan State. Um, even as a recruit in, in Michigan, uh, he was one of the, the most sought-after defensive line prospects of a long time. Uh, and the physical skills are obviously there. He's had a lot of problems both on and off the field that, ha- that have derailed him. But uh, he, from when he's when he's been visible, he's been okay. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, you, you think maybe you could turn it around as sort of a, a diamond in the rough and, and a reclamation project. But is he going to make it? I, I don't know. He, he's firmly on the roster bubble. For me, I've seen projections where he's in. I've seen projections where he's out. Uh, these are going to be some tough decisions. And, and again, the, the health plays into that factor, too. I think we'll see it in the linebacker room. Uh, I don't think anybody expected Montreal Meander to make it. But uh, the fact that he's now injured, that, that, that opens up another spot for somebody else to compete and get more minutes in the final game to maybe make one final last impression or to, to stand out on special teams. It moves everybody up that order who is below him a little bit. And, you know, that, those are the type of decisions, you know, th- there is still things to play for this, this weekend. There are, there are spots still on the line that they're deciding um, in a way. That's a good thing. And the other thing, they're not cutting players because they're so bad that they obviously don't belong. Uh, we have been around Brown teams that have done that. You know, that Dave. <laughs> we, oh, yeah. we've seen that too often. That is not the case now. There are a, there are several guys on this team who are going to get cut, who are going to surface on other teams. They might not make it in the long term. They might be number 53 on another roster, 
but th- they're going to cut four or five guys who get claimed by other teams after the the initial cutdowns, uh, and that's going to be a very busy time around the league. You're going to see a lot of guys get claimed this year, uh, and and several ex Browns will be among them. I think you'll see a defensive lineman get claimed. I think you will certainly see a wide receiver or two who don't make it get claimed by another team. So yeah, th- th- these are big minutes, and even if they show out and and aren't necessarily playing for for Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and the Browns when they're finishing up training camp and getting the final preseason game. You better believe that they're auditioning for other teams and they know that and the Browns know that. And I think that um, going back to what Johnson talked about, about uh, the sort of servant leadership attitude that this franchise has taken, um, you better believe that they're going to try to do that for those guys. You know, if guys have shown up and done the work and they know that they're not going to make it in Cleveland, you better believe they're going to help them make it, try and make it somewhere else. And I think that that's the sign of a good, well-run organization. And and it, it's just great to have, you know, first world football problems instead of worrying about how many guys can we claim off of other rosters who are going to start for us week one. That's not the case in Cleveland anymore. Thank goodness. All right. Um, before we get on to some, some news that's just happening, let me ask you this. What do you think the toughest roster decisions for Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are going to be? Boy, the uh, the wide receiver room, the bottom, Daryl Hodge, um, Rashard Higgins quietly hasn't been great all summer, hasn't necessarily been available all summer. Uh, if Demetric Felton can prove himself that he can play both wide receiver and running back as well as, as being the return man, there's going to be some interesting decisions there. Uh, defensive line we talked about a little bit. Uh, I, I think the, the, that last running back spot, does Felton fit in there? Um, John Kelly has looked good. You know, they've, they've had some reps from Dearness Johnson, certainly a quality NFL player, caliber player. Uh, there's there's going to be some tough ones there. Um, the other thing, do they keep two quarterbacks or do they keep three? Kyle Lalletta, he looked really good in Jacksonville. Uh, that, that's that's the guy that I'm, I'm fascinated to see because I, I saw him up close and personal with the Giants a couple of years ago. I thought, you know what, this this guy's got something. He, he was better uh, in the three days of joint practices when they were in Detroit than Daniel Jones was. So you know, you, there's there's things that you have to like about that. So there's yeah, there's, those decisions and and you know, is it are you keeping an extra wide receiver? And if you do, where what position group takes the hit on that? Is it running back? Is it your interior offensive line where they're going to cut a guy or two who winds up on another roster? Uh, th- those are those are the things that I'm looking for. All right, so um, let's take a look at this tweet uh, coming from the NFL and. Um, it is uh, Davion Davis has been suspended without pay first two games of the 2021 regular season uh, for violation of the NFL policy program substance abuse. So he can participate remainder of preseason, including Sunday's final preseason game, and then um, could return to the active roster for the Browns uh, following week two game against Houston. Um, again, that was a guy, he's, he's going to have a tough time cracking uh, that room to begin with. But I think he probably was a, a candidate for the practice squad. Um, they don't handle these things. Yeah. They, don't, they don't tend to want to <laughs> deal with these things very well in Berea these days. So, No, that, that's, that's behavior they don't need. And, and you don't know if it was a recreational drug. You don't know if it was a right. performance-enhancing drug. They didn't elaborate on that. Uh, either one is not a good situation. Look, he's made some plays in the preseason. This, this was a guy who elevated his profile. Um, and he was actually one of the guys that I was had in mind when I was talking about guys who were going to get claimed by other teams when yep. the Browns cut them. He was certainly one of those players. Uh, there are there are teams around the league who can use what Davion Davis offers. But if he's not available for the first two weeks, 
that, that that's a tough sell for for fans in Cleveland. And if you're a, if you're another team like say say you're the the uh, the Washington football team, which is looking for a guy like that to round out their receiving core, that's a tough sell when you you're like, oh, we're going to claim this guy, but you know he's going to be suspended for the first two weeks. Then you got to fill that roster spot with someone else. That's you know, it, it, it's tough for him. It's it's an unfortunate, uh, very poor timing on his right. part that it happened right now. But yeah, that's uh, you know at the same time you you are responsible for what goes into your body. Um, and if he didn't if he didn't follow along with the rules, he's got to pay the consequences for that. Yeah, and, and again, young guy certainly don't want to you know don't want to bury him for it. But yeah. yeah, learn learn from it and move on. All right, let let me ask you this, and we've alluded to it, and my thought is. The roster is really good. The, you know, the 51st, 52nd, 53rd, 54th, 55th guys, that's going to be a, a lot of deep thought um, by Andrew Barry. Do you think the Browns trade a couple of those, you know, back into the roster for either draft picks or to try to fill, you know, a linebacker or a defensive end rotate, rotational piece kind of guy? You know, the linebacking thing is very interesting because all the attrition that they've had with the injuries, they could use somebody who's played in an NFL game before to come in there. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if they find a taker for um, one of the interior offensive linemen. If you swap your, you know, number 50, 54, 55, 56, and it's an interior offensive lineman, I'll use Blake Hans as an example, just as an example, not, not saying that he's there or not. Um, but he could be he could be traded to another team that that has a glut of linebackers but needs interior offensive line help. Yeah, I absolutely expect things like that. And I do think that just around the league, from what I've talked when I've talked to to writers from other teams and, and people who cover you know various other franchises, there's there is a, a, it seems to be more willingness to make those sorts of trades rather than than trying to you know funnel through waivers and and see who you can get off the waiver wire. If you see somebody that you know can help your team aggressively go get it and we certainly know that Andrew Barry will do that and I think other franchises are, are sort of following suit now so when they see a guy uh, who's not going to make the Browns um, Robert Jackson not being one of them but you know if if somebody higher up on the cornerback food chain uh, doesn't make it or if uh, let's say Greg Sennett at, at offensive tackle I think he's fairly safe um, uh, just the way that things have played out that's a guy who has some trade value for another team especially a team that's had some injury issues uh, you look at the New York Jets and what they're going through on their offensive line uh, they, they could probably use a guy like that. And he has played for Dallas before, too. So th- th- that's the guy who's gotten around, proven that he belongs in other NFL systems. Yeah, I, I do think they could flip him for a, a conditional pick or a bottom-of-the-roster linebacker or, or cornerback if they need to do that. Yeah, and, and I'm sure Andrew Barry, uh, Andrew Barry has his list, and he's probably checking it twice and getting ready oh, to make, yeah. make a lot of calls to see what he can potentially pull off. All right, we're going to step aside, take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, Jeff Risden from brownswire.com and I will return. Um, will Baker Mayfield take a big jump in year two? We'll have a national take on that, as well as a couple more of the Browns in the NFL Top 100. We'll talk Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett, and Nick Chubb when we return. Sports for CLE will be right back.
Uh, as further details of the Davion Johnson, um, or Davion Davis rather, suspension comes through, it's uh, allegedly from a 2019 DUI. So um, this is something that's coming out now that happened a couple years ago. Um, and again, that may make him a candidate um, to stick with the Browns practice squad as well. All right, so um, the big question, Baker Mayfield, will he make a big jump year two in Kevin Stefanski's system? Um, Rick Buecher um, on FS1 Speak for Yourself had this to say about Baker Mayfield year two with Kevin Stefanski. No, I do not expect Ooh. him to make a or take a Ooh. huge jump. I expect the Cleveland Browns collectively to make a jump. Uh, with 11 offensive starters back. And I do believe that Baker Mayfield is going to be maybe more consistent than he was last year. But they know who Baker Mayfield is. Is he going to be good? Yes, I would expect that he's going to be good. But they now know that he's not a quarterback that is going to carry them anywhere. I like the way you put it when you introduced this subject. You said he helped them win their first playoff game. That is correct. I would say that the Pittsburgh Steelers really helped them a lot, True. too. But we'll put that aside. Uh, they know who Baker Mayfield is, so they're not going to ask him to do too much. Nor do they have to, because they have built a team around him that allows him to be who he is. He can be a good quarterback. He's not a great one. And, and Jeff, again... Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan took huge jumps in similar type offenses in, in year two. So, I, I, you know, I think, I think people make a, a big mistake thinking that a quarterback, quote unquote, carries a team. Um, a quarterback who's surrounded by talent and can help make that talent do what they do, that's kind of what Baker Mayfield's shown himself to be. It's important. It, it's, it's interesting because Buker initially went from there from no. But then his explanation uh, and his rationale for why Baker wouldn't was very, very solid and very on point. The Browns don't need him to be Aaron Rodgers for this offense to work. They do need him to be Baker Mayfield and the Baker Mayfield that he was last year. He proved that that was by and large good enough uh, with, with the cast around him. And I think that, that having Odell Beckham Jr. back and having a healthy offensive line and, and continuity is going to help the, the players around him get better with Baker. Um, I do think that, that will elevate Baker a little bit. I, I, Buker brought up consistency. I do think we're going to see a more consistent uh, Baker Mayfield this year. I also think that a lot of people forget about those that Raiders game, that Jets game. Those games were played in atrocious weather. Uh, it was it was a literal hurricane in in the Raiders game. And people look at the passing yardage in that game and like, oh, Baker had a rough day. Like, did did you were you there? Did you see the did you see what he dealt with with the, the winds? Uh, I, I think some of that that context gets lost nationally. But uh, it's weird because, again, it seems like they almost framed it more inflammatory than what Buecher actually said, because I think what he said, there's a lot of very good truth. And I think most people in Cleveland agree with it, is that, that Baker Mayfield is good. He's proven that he's good enough, but the team around him helps him be even better. And he can help the, the team get a little bit better just with his consistency. And the other thing I'll say, Rick Buecher's a basketball guy. It's interesting <laughs> that they're having his, uh, yeah. you know, and he's a, he's a great basketball guy. He's, right. he's one of my favorites. Always has been, but uh He's a little out of his lane there. I'll just say that. Yeah, I, I, that's the same thing I thought when, when I initially heard it. All right, all right. NFL.com um, is up to the uh, number 10, the top 10. And a um, couple of Browns in the released 
top 100 uh, section that was this weekend. Nick Chubb at 26, up 10 spots from last year. Miles Garrett at 16, up 74 spots from a season ago. Is it just me? I think Garrett could have even been higher. I think so. And I think, honestly, if he didn't have the bout with COVID in the middle of last season, I think he would have been higher. He is the highest-ranked defensive end. There are only two defensive linemen above that are still out there. T.J. Watt is still out there, and he deserves to be. And Aaron Donald, who's the reigning defensive player of the year, he deserves to be. Uh, they don't play the same position. So so Garrett is the top at his position. I think that, that says something. Um, there are still people who hold it against him, what happened in Pittsburgh a couple seasons ago. Um, I, I would just tell those people to move on and, and judge, judge him by his actions. Since then, um, this is voted on by the players, and I think that the players, everybody who's played against Miles Garrett knows how dominant he is, how freakish he is. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very pleased that he, he is where he's at. And it also, uh, it gives him hunger. I missed the top 10 this last year. You better believe he's going to be going for that top 10 again. And uh, with Chubb, he's the fourth running back on the list. Derrick Henry's above him, Alvin Kamara, and Dalvin Cook. All three of those, well, Henry's coming off just a freak season. You got to get, get tip your hat. He's a great running back. Kamara and Cook are both exceptional receivers out of the backfield, and they offer a lot of, of passing game things that, that Nick Chubb doesn't doesn't necessarily do. He doesn't necessarily need to do that because the Browns have Kareem Hunt to do that. Um, but those teams don't have those guys that can do that uh, in their offenses. So I, I think that's a fairly fair position for him. I, I've said along that if I need a guy to, to hand the ball off to, I will take Nick Chubb over everybody. I think the list sort of reflects that. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to quibble with anybody who says that Derrick Henry is better. Um, he he certainly has the, the results to, to put that on paper. But as far as, like, a total complete running back, Chubb isn't quite there yet. He's really, really good, and he, he's proven that he can be a capable receiver. But just the fact that he's not leaned on to do that as much, I think that hurts his, his eyes or hurts him in, in the eyes of the players around the league, too. It, it's still impressive to be in the top 26 uh, 25 would have been nice, and you can say, "Oh, we got two guys in the top 25." It didn't quite work out that way, but uh, next year, next year you could see two and possibly even three because uh, I think um, to to throw back at Rick Buecher for a second, if Baker Mayfield has the kind of year that he is working towards, I think you're going to have a hard time keeping him out of uh, certainly the top 50. Um, and I, he was well down the list now, and they have other candidates too. Uh, keep that in mind too. Odell Beckham didn't make the list this year. Jarvis Landry had the lowest ranking he's had in a long time this year. Uh, those guys are capable of, of being higher up as well. Uh, like we talked about in the first segment, it's a nice problem to have when you have so many good players on the team. Yeah, without question. Uh, Jeff Riston from Brownswire.com and I'm going to step aside, take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, talk about some areas of concern with the roster. Also, 33 agents polled about different organizations. We'll take a look at where the Browns land, uh, especially the front office. Sports for CLE. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back. Back to new friends, new classroom, and learning new things. Back to wearing shoes, man, like real shoes. Back to rushing to class. Back to having questions. Lots of questions. Back to vending machine dinners. Back to too much caffeine. Too late at night. But feeling like it was a night well spent. Back to pursuing your dreams and taking control of your future. Come back to go forward. Try C, where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. 
At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just the mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students, kindergarten through 12th grade, can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine. Sports for CLE continues. We continue talking Browns football with Jeff Risden of BrownsWire.com. And Jeff, a um, uh, little over, it's a week, a week and a few uh, and a half hour from now. Have to be down to the 53-man roster. That'll likely trickle in um, to, uh, next Tuesday. What areas of this roster are you concerned about? I'm still concerned primarily about the depth on defense. Uh, I, I think you're seeing um, cornerback safety, and a lot of it's injury-related, linebacker as well. Just just who fits, who, who's healthy enough to, to stick on the team. Are they going to have any situations where somebody, you know, makes the initial 53-man roster, gets put on injured reserve, and then they bring somebody else in? Uh, there's a couple of candidates for that. I, I, I wonder about that. I do wonder what's going to happen at tight end with the fourth tight end. Uh, if there will be a fourth tight end with, with Stefan Carlson's unfortunate injury, um, and do they make that up with, uh, again, it's more about finding where the positions are. Are they keeping six wide receivers? Will they keep three quarterbacks? Will they keep four or five running backs? I think sorting all that out is something that we're waiting to see what happens with it. Uh, I do expect them to keep three quarterbacks, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they don't. Uh, you know, just with linebackers, you know, uh, Tony Fields, what's going on with him? Is he going to wind up being on the injured list? Is he, you know, what, what, what happens with, with some of the young guys like that? Uh, will Delta be healthy enough to go? Fingers are crossed there. You know, we're, just those sorts of things is making sure, look, the, the injuries, John Johnson talked about it. It's been tough to, to gauge who's in practice and who's out of practice. Every, every day writing up the injury reports, it, it, there's a lot of names to type there every day. Um, guys coming, guys going, the, uh, the, the, the Peloton squad there in Berea on, on the side working out with the trainers. Um, it changes daily. Some days there's a lot of additions. Some days there's not so much. So just finding out the true health status of all these guys and if they're going to be ready to go week one. The other thing to, to watch, um, I know that the Browns play Sunday. Don't be surprised if they make a couple of cuts, uh, especially uh, early on for guys that they think can get claimed by other teams. If they let them go Monday, they're not necessarily going to release all, uh, what is it, uh, four, 22 names that they have to cut. It's not all going to happen at 5 p.m. next Tuesday. There, there should be a few names that happen before that. Uh, that that's something to pay attention to as well. Um, and, and, again, I think a lot of those guys will be guys that they want. Okay, I know, I'm know i cutting this guy. Another team is going to have some interest in him. We didn't find any trade market for him or it just wasn't there. Uh, but but we want to do right by this player and say, hey, this guy is available. You know, we're, we're letting you see that now. Please, please come get him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's that's what good that's what good organizations do. That's something that uh, I, I know Sean Payton and the Saints have been phenomenal about doing that over the years. 
That's one of the reasons why agents and players love dealing with the New Orleans Saints is because they're that kind of a class organization. And I'm happy that the Browns will be that type of organization as well. Yeah, and you know, you, it's almost like you looked at where I'm going with this because um, the Athletic did something with 33 agents, pulling them different, um, different things about each of the NFL organizations. So this is, this is based on what 33 agents voted, and this is in The Athletic. So uh, best offseason, according to these 33 agents, Buccaneers number one, Browns number two. And the Buccaneers just brought everybody back from the Super Bowl team. <laughs> they, they didn't do much. They just, they just held their cards steady. That's, and they, if you're the Super Bowl champs, not losing is, is a win for you, quite honestly. The, the fact that they kept everybody together, that's, that's unprecedented. Good for them. All right, so best talent evaluator. Um, again, this is 33 agents. Uh, number one, Chris Ballard from the Colts. Two, George Patton from the Broncos. Also receiving votes, Andrew Barry. And uh, keep in mind, Andrew Barry's a, a young, young GM. Yes, he is. Uh, and, and Ballard, Ballard's going to be interesting. He gets a tremendous amount of love and respect from around the league. Uh, I'm going to question a guy who trades what they traded to get Carson Wentz uh, coming off the years that he had in Philadelphia and the injuries, plural, multiple plural, that he's had over the years. Um, the fact that he's he's staked his team on that, I, I don't know about that one. So maybe, that, maybe that'll change the time, but he's certainly done a great job of building that roster. George Payton is a new guy. Uh, you'll remember, Dave, he was one of the guys that, that was a finalist. Uh, when Andrew Barry was was uh, was hired, ultimately he was a guy who was interviewed. I know the, the the Houston Texans very seriously looked at him a couple of years ago before they decided to go with the uh, the faith healer that they have down there. That's clearly not working for them. So so it, it's interesting. They, they had a great draft, no doubt about it. But if they don't get their quarterback right, I don't think it's going to matter too much for Denver. Uh, that that is a team. Honestly, it reminds me of some of those old older teams. Um, kind of the. Uh, the Romeo Cornell era, where, where the, the team itself was pretty darn good and capable of, of making a playoff run if they got there, but the, the quarterback really held them back. And that between Drew Locke and, uh, and Teddy Bridgewater, I, I, I think they're, they're sort of in that boat there, unfortunately. But they, they did have a great draft, and they've had a couple of really good off-seasons in a row stacked together. But again, if you don't have the quarterback, it doesn't really matter. Cleveland's got the quarterback, and they've got the quarterback in part because, uh, because Andrew Berry uh, is savvy enough that uh, – you know, remember, he was part of that team uh, back then. And uh, I, yeah, I, uh, the fact that he's young, to, to go back to your point about the age, that is so encouraging. This isn't a guy who's, you know, had lumps over years and years of trials and errors and multiple different teams finally getting it right somewhere. He's been great, not good, great from the get go. Yeah. And, you know, again, was clearly ready for the opportunity that Jimmy Haslam oh, yeah. put in oh, front yeah. <laughs> of him. All right, so um, Kevin Stefanski talked about uh, what he has seen from one of those Andrew Berry signings in this offseason, John Johnson. Here's the head coach on the new safety of the Browns. John's been outstanding uh, from the moment he stepped foot on campus back in, in uh, June. Uh, provides great leadership, has a really good understanding of what we want to do, our schemes, doesn't get fooled. He's uh, around the ball. He's doing a nice job. And Jeff, uh, again, I think that was one of the uh, best free agent signings just based on need um, in, the, in the league this year. Absolutely. And I, I think it went under the radar a little bit. And I will say this from, from having watched the, the Rams with somewhat of an intent eye as I'm a, a Matthew Stafford guy. Um, they miss him a lot in Los Angeles. Uh, they have not filled that void. And I think 
anybody who's expecting the Rams to, to pick right up on defense where they left off um, without Troy Hill, without John Johnson, you might want to watch them because they're they're not there yet. They they clearly missed him. And I think just getting that sort of asset. And again, I don't think that safety play in general doesn't get enough recognition unless it's terrible. The Browns did get national recognition for being so terrible last year. The fact that they went out and got the best player at the position on the open market and did it, did it economically. And and the fact that he's working out so well so quickly, my goodness. Obviously the games don't count yet, but every indication out of Berea is that John Johnson is going to be a great safety right away and and, and a leader in the back end of the defense. Uh, we talked about earlier, what was the biggest need that they had? They needed the middle of the field defense, speed, and competence, and they got all that in one package in John Johnson. And they got it for a, a I don't want to say it was cheap, but it's certainly not, you know, breaking the budget to make it happen. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm elated with John Johnson. I can't wait to get get out there and watch him uh, watch him bust some skulls once the game start. Jeff Risden from Brownswire.com as always. Jeff, appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks very much. Thanks, Dave. All right, Jeff Risden. Make sure you read him. Brownswire.com. We're gonna step aside, take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, we continue talking Browns. Uh, beat reporter from The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. Ellis Williams will join us. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back. Back to new friends, new classroom, and learning new things. Back to wearing shoes, man, like real shoes. Back to rushing to class. Back to having questions. Lots of questions. Back to vending machine dinners. Back to too much caffeine too late at night, but feeling like it was a night well spent. Back to pursuing your dreams and taking control of your future. Come back to go forward. Try C, where futures begin. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students, kindergarten through 12th grade, can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine. CLE continues. We continue talking Browns football and are happy to be welcoming in Ellis Williams, Browns beat reporter for The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. Ellis, appreciate the time, man. Hey, what did we learn about the Browns offense uh, against the Giants in that second preseason game on Sunday? I mean, other than anything more than one preseason boring to watch and endure. In all seriousness, that continues to be a vanilla 
preseason for this Cleveland Browns team. And I know you asked specifically about the offense, which I'll get to. The goal remains for the Cleveland Browns throughout this preseason, whether it's the games or practice, stay assignment sound and be healthy. They're doing both one a little better than the other being assignment. Of course, injuries happen throughout the term of the season. But when you look at the Giants Browns game, I was impressed with Kevin Stefanski's opening drive. I thought you saw exactly what he wants this Browns offense to look like early in the year. You just didn't see the marquee guys doing it. Of course, you didn't see Baker Mayfield. You didn't see the whole first starting offensive line. You didn't see Odell Beckham Jr. You didn't see Jarvis Landry. But that doesn't mean that those backup players didn't move like how the starters are going to move eventually. We're going to see a continued growth and evolution of what Kevin Stefanski demands out of his tight ends. It looks like Kevin and his staff were watching the Kansas City Chiefs tape. That's what I took away from it. You saw the tight end be used more as a spatial blocker, an up back, allowing him two-way goes, which makes it difficult for him to be hit off the line rather than being in line. He's in an up back spot. You see a lot more motion than comparing it to even the Kansas City game in January. And definitely, if we go back and watch Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns tape from week one, it is a completely different offense. Just from a window dressing standpoint, they're going to do much of the same stuff. But he is continuing to, again, evolve in how he's going to put stress on the defense. And it's all pre-snap. More motion. Different formations, but you're doing the same things out of it. It's going to be exciting to see this offense in week one mess with the pace of play, mess with the motions, snap it quickly, take the whole play clock. It's a master class in what Kemp Spansky wants this to be, and it's a testament to the educators they are. And I'm beyond excited to see what Baker Mayfield does in week one and throughout this year. We just have to get there. We're still a, a bit of ways away. Yeah, still a few weeks. All right. Um and good news, Tack McKinley rejoins the team. Um, what do you make of that? And, and important to note, there's two weeks after that final preseason game before the first regular season game. So there's still time for Tack to get back and, and get, get the reps that he needs. Yeah, it's huge to have him back from a depth standpoint. Uh, I've said it before. This is a top-heavy pass rushing front, of course, with Miles Garrett and Davion Clowney. Tax falls right in a sweet spot as a, a third guy, a, a reliever, a guy they probably want for 40 snaps to just go out there and disrupt the game. And he can't do that if, first, of course, he's not available. And then second, if he's not practicing, because when it comes to pass rushing, you can put the gear on. Oh, we, uh, uh, you can go through the motions. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, unless unless you are getting those reps, the game shape is going to be tough to get into. So I would urge Browns fans to move with a patience with Tackham Kenley that they would with Grant Delpit or Odell Beckham Jr., meaning the month of September is going to be their acclimation period. And this defense will be playing a lot different come October once they're all finally able to get together and put those reps in. And then just the football shape has to come for Tack. But he's monumentally important when we talk depth of this Brown defense pass rush. Yeah, and you certainly hope um, it's good that he's back. That means um, you know he's, he's dealt with what he needs to deal with. All right, uh, Greedy Williams uh, banged up again. Um, do you think Greg Newsom's the starter? Did Greg Newsom do enough to, to, to win that starting job, do you think? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. So from a national standpoint, let's frame it in in this light. The news that came out with Cam Newton today, the, the misunderstanding with the, the positive COVID test or negative COVID test, whatever the heck it was, the fallout from that today in camp was Mac Jones getting basically every rep, every meaningful rep at the quarterback spot. Now, of course, those two are, are in a battle to be QB1, just like Greedy Williams and Greg Newsom are in a battle to be cornerback two. Well, if you're not available to take those opportunities, take those reps in practice, then it just it goes to the player who is healthy. And right now, that's Greg Newsom. But you put his play on top of that, much like Mac Jones, he's having a great camp. Combine that with his first-round status, again, much like Mac Jones, his intellectual abilities coming from Northwestern, it, it, this is coming together and I haven't even talked about the physical prospect that he is and that, that all we've talked about that when he was drafted, you put that all together and really it comes down to, he is the guy and he will be ready when that moment comes. It's, it's trial by fire. It's almost, he doesn't know what he's getting himself into because how could he, he just turned 21 in May and you're going to start your NFL career against Patrick Mahomes. They were going to throw at the number two corner of the Cleveland Browns, whether it was greedy or Greg Newsom, it's going to be Greg Newsom. Greedy Williams is going to have every opportunity to be a part of this Browns secondary once he's healthy. And the the importance of who the number two corner, much like who the number one, re- number three receiver is on this team, probably won't make a huge difference because you could slide Greg Newsom inside, have Greedy be outside, and then you have Troy Hill in the other slot. This is just going to be, it's much more important to have able bodies and talented ones at that than to stress about who the number two corner is, but in terms of depth chart and who will you know run through that tunnel at week one as the number two corner expected to be Greg Newsom. Yeah, and and you know um, John Johnson got it. To, the Browns signed as a free agent, plays safety. Here's what he has seen um, about the rookie cornerback Greg Newsom. I think you know just competing at a high level. I, I remember um, that first preseason game against Jacksonville, he's like lined up with Marvin Jones. Like he's no, he's no slouch in this league. He's been doing it for a long time and he's competing with the guy. I mean, limiting him to catch tackles and really just making plays on the ball. So I'm like, okay, he's going to go out there. He's feisty. He's going to compete. But I think just his technique is, you know, you tell him to line up like this, step here, punch it. He's going to do exactly what you tell him to do every single time. So that's a real credit to a rookie coming in, you know, for his first couple of days in the league. And, and Ellis, that's coming from a guy who is viewed as one of the smarter defensive backs in the league, um, period. <laughs> right. It, it's a blast to hear John Johnson talk, the, the intellectual way he sees the game and then can articulate it to, to the common fan. It, and he's accurate in every step of the way. You look at Greg Newsom, a guy who you know only seven starts due to the shortened season in the Big Ten a year ago, now asked to go up against Patrick Mahomes in week one, like we just talked about, the Marvin Jones example is a great one. I was very impressed with what I saw from Greg Newsom because at the end of the day, we're talking about Marvin Jones, a guy who basically has 900 yards receiving year in and year out. Like no slouch was the nice way to put it. Marvin Jones is a, a thorough professional who gave his best shot to Greg Newsom. And like John Johnson said, I loved his terminology just down tackling just point of a point of attack hands in the right place his technique is sound and he hasn't even been on the field in a regular season game yet the browns stumbled upon a guy who of course they were targeting but a corner who we're probably going to look back at this draft and he shouldn't have been available as late as 26 
Yeah, and, and you could say the same thing about their second-round pick when they went up and got Jeremiah Uskoromoa. Um, good things by this front office as well. Uh, Ellis Williams, Browns beat reporter. I guess step aside to quick timeout. On the other side of the break, uh, is David Njoku a top-10 tight end? Also, what will the Browns do uh, with that back half of the roster, the final few spots? Sports for CLE. We'll be right back. Stay with us. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education program recognizes role model students and teachers from across Ohio. Nominations can now be done completely online. To nominate a deserving teacher or student, go to ohiolottery.com. In the About section, find Partners in Education. There you will find links to the nomination forms. Students, kindergarten through 12th grade, can be academic all-stars. Teachers can be honored as a Teacher of the Month. The Ohio Lottery Partners in Education, where stars shine. continue talking Browns football with Ellis Williams, Browns beat reporter for the Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. Uh, Ellis, uh, I, kn- I know you like the guy, and um, I'm becoming a huge fan as well. Is David Njoku a, type, a top 10 tight end, do you think? He's got to be, and this is uh, as important of a fantasy football segment <laughs> as it is an actual on-the-field thing we're about to unpack because when it comes down to David Njoku, he's coming into a year where he has a massive opportunity to get paid next year, whether it is from the Browns or elsewhere, you know, I'll give you, of course, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, and then, you know, perhaps now Kyle Pitts, a a guy who's probably going to be a unicorn at that position. After that, I named, you know, five or six guys, David Njoku is going to slide into that role. I'm confident saying it. And then you just pull up some fantasy rankings. You, You can't even find David's name somewhere. This, this is a, uh, uh, kudos to David Njoku for reinventing himself. He had every opportunity to get lost in the shuffle and he took his lumps, but he came into camp this year and establishes, if you did a blind resume, contracts aside, last names off jerseys, Hooper, David Njoku, it would be a landslide of approval for David Njoku being not only this team's number one tight end, but having the momentum now to carry his incredible training camp performance into a top 10 tight end campaign. And again, at a perfect time where he's facing a contract year and an opportunity to get paid majorly come, you know, February or, or later in the offseason next year. Yeah. And he's, um, he's got its physical specimen has been willing to block and, and has gotten better at it. And he's one of those guys. If you, you can find mismatches with him, and Kevin Stefanski and uh, Alex Van Pelt and that offensive crew will be finding mismatches for David Njoku uh, this year. What do you think the toughest decisions uh, facing Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski next week, uh, about a week uh, um, at this time, are going to be? What are the toughest decisions to make on that roster? I'll give you three. Well, let's start with two rooms just specifically or where the toughest decisions will be. And then I'll give you some, some theory roster building. I see wide receiver and interior defensive line being very difficult decisions for this team to make. And basically regardless of the choice you make, there are going to be talented players leaving the Cleveland Browns place on waivers that will likely not slide through and the Browns won't be able to claim back on the practice squad. 
it's a great problem to have. It says a lot about the talent of this roster, something we all anticipated when you start really investigating and the national reports of pulling GMs and the Browns roster either being, you know, in the, the top three every time. And some people even saying the Browns had the best roster in the league. This is what happens to good or great roster building situations. You're going to lose talent. So we're going to watch those two rooms at nauseum between now and the Atlanta game, of course, and then cut day being the 31st. In terms of roster building theory, we just talked about this on our podcast today, and it's tough to decide whether you're going to keep a player due to draft status or actually take the majority of what you saw in camp and project them that way. Because you land in a possible situation with players like Anthony Schwartz, Tony Fields, of course, who no one has seen because of a foot injury. And it becomes difficult to... You know, uh, Tommy Togia is another one who we have seen, but has he done enough to keep his spot where then draft status becomes a thing? Again, all good problems to have, but you can name some players with the draft status, not of those three guys, who probably are going to be out the door despite having better camps on tape and on the field. So do you think um, Andrew Berry looks to improve, you know, some of the areas where um, the Browns are, you know, thin let's say um with those from other teams or or potentially by trade is there a way they can potentially get some depth maybe i don't know linebacker for instance sure to me this time of year is always follow the injuries and the two spots the browns have had unforeseen injuries in is the tight end room with steven carlson and then of course that kicker with cody parkey i would be surprised if you don't see more kickers coming in out of Berea and there's another one on this roster at some point and this could possibly go into September and I know fans don't want to hear that but when the kicks really start mattering like literally in the standings and in a team that is going to be in tight games looking for a divisional win looking for wild card standings possibly these are going to be some crucial pressure filled kicks that the Browns will face and who knows if that guy's on the roster right now of course the Browns are going to believe in who they whoever they deem the starter but those kicks are when it's on the line. That's when, as a as a special teams person who has seen plenty of tough kicks in Minnesota, it, you you can't really tell much in the preseason, especially when you have an unforeseen injury like this. And then when you look at the tight end room, we know the importance that Kevin's fancy puts on that. That's how we started the segment talking about at the top. Johnny Stanton has really become now a two way guy for them. Now is he a fullback? Is he a tight end? He was doing both uh, on Sunday, are they comfortable with him filling the role of Stephen Carlson or are they going to make another move there? Follow the injuries, but again, this is, team is so deep as it is. The Browns are going to be sellers just because of the depth more than buyers come cut day. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned Stanton. So Stanton's a guy that you could see playing tight end, you could see playing fullback. That kind of saves a roster spot, if you will. You've got Demetric Felton, same thing. Wide receiver could be that in a pinch. Running back could be that in a pinch. Um, again, that's those are feathers in the cap of the personnel and, and Andrew Barry to find guys like that. I, I completely agree, and it's the future of football, the, the positionless trend this is all headed towards. But the flip side of Dimitri Felton's versatility, well, let's keep it there, is players like perhaps Cordell Hodge now become victim to his versatility because you're not going to keep seven wide receivers, even though you can consider Felton both running back 
and receiver. You know, like if Darius Johnson, Cordell Hodge, and JoJo Natson are all on this team, uh, then they're thin in other places, maybe not keeping as many D linemen. It, it just the skill position talent, though versatile, still becomes problematic when you talk about guys who don't have that same versatility. There's It's only 53 at the end of the day. Ellis Williams, Browns beat reporter for The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. Ellis, as always, appreciate the time and the insight. Great stuff. Thanks very much. Always a blast. Talk soon. All right. Ellis Williams, make sure you read them. Pages of The Plain Dealer and on Cleveland.com. That'll do it for this edition of Sports for CLE. We will be back here tomorrow. Scheduled guests, Hayden Grove from The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. Kevin Arnold from The Voice of the Land podcast. We will see you again tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Have a great night, everybody.